0: Someone who was supposed to be here, DeCarlos Robinson, uh, who's one of our new pastors on our team and the work with Jonathan Nash at Napier uh, has had a a pretty serious family emergency. And so uh, be in prayer for them. Um, But I'm gonna go ahead and read from Genesis 32. Um, This is verses one to 13 and then 22 through 32 and we'll dive right in. Jacob also went on his way and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is the camp of God, so he named that place Manaheim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Sir, in the country of Edom, and he instructed them, This is what you are to say to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and I have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats and male and female servants. Now, I am sending this message to my Lord that I might find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and he is now coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, If Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape." Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the land, or sorry, the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. Now jump into 22 through 32. You can read the rest at home later today. That night, Jacob got up with his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream he sent over all his possessions and so Jacob was left all alone and he and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled with the man. The man said let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him what is your name? Jacob he answered Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him, and he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip and therefore to this day the israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon wow that was a long reading word of the lord let me pray for us and then we'll jump into this uh what part of the hip you can and can't eat <laughs> kidding Lord, thanks for your word, Uh, enlighten us, Uh, Lord, you you tell us you've given us your Holy Spirit to understand why in the world this matters to us. Uh, I would pray that you would make it matter, uh, because you matter, uh, and this teaches us that we deeply matter to you. So Lord Jesus, uh, awaken our hearts and our minds to your truth in your name, amen. So um, I'm looking to make sure there's a clock, there isn't a clock, so I'm going to put my clock up here. Does Brant use a clock? Everybody's like, I, we don't know that. Uh, we started this series a few weeks ago looking, it's called Questions God Asks, and we've been looking at these questions that God asked different people in the Old Testament, and we've been focusing on this. Why is God asking them these questions, right? Because if God's God, if he's God, which scripture says he's omniscient, or go read Psalm you know, 139, he knows your thoughts before you know your thoughts. He knows your heart better than you know your heart. He knows everything, right? So if God's God, then if he's asking a question, he knows the answer to the question already, right? Because he's God. So there must be a a different reason, right? He must, we kind of have to logically work that out. We must come to the conclusion that he's asking that question for a different reason. And I encouraged our people to consider that God is asking those questions not to learn something about the person that he's asking the question to, right? Because he knows everything about that person. He's asking that question to the person because he's actually leading them to discover something about themselves, right? I'm asking this question for you, not for me. I'm asking this question so that you would learn something about you, maybe even learn something about him or maybe his heart for them because that's what a good question does, right? Maybe, I don't know if you have good question askers in your life, it's kind of a lost art form. Most people are pretty good talkers but don't ask good questions. But a good question isn't just hey tell me something about yourself a good question actually drives you into a deeper understanding of you a deeper interest in you in your condition or maybe even if it gets you past you a deeper interest in this person who asked you this question who asked me a question that causes me to stop in my tracks and think and reflect deeply well that's what happens to Jacob here when God asks him this question, "What is your name? What is your name? Because that's the question for this week that's the question he gets asked here. It's a question that God asked Jacob after an all night wrestling match, right where God it says that there in the passage we just read with the touch I mean the Greek word there is literally with the faintest touch he he takes You know, this touch hits the socket of his hip. He wrenches Jacob's hip, basically ending the match, right? Scripture elsewhere would say Jacob limped the rest of his life from this encounter, leaning on his staff all of the time. And he leaves Jacob clinging to God in utter desperation in this moment, refusing to let go of God, right? Saying, bless me. And at the climax of that wrestling match and all of that struggle, clinging to God, God stops and asks Jacob this question, what is your name? Now, I wrestled in high school. There's a few wrestlers in here I know. I wrestled in high school. I can tell you what, before I was about to get pinned to the mat, that is something I never, ever thought to ask the person who's about to pin me. And they never asked me before they pinned me, right? What is your name? So why in the world is God asking this question? I mean, does he not know that it's Jacob? I mean, Jacob has already said in this passage that you told me to go back to this place, told me to go back to my country, told me to go back to my relatives, and I will make you prosper. So he knows his relatives. He knows where he's from. Of course he knows that it's Jacob. But why is that question so crucial for Jacob to be asked? Because yes, there was a a physical wrestling match going on. This, This happened, right? But I think also there was an existential, spiritual wrestling match that was going on and that question got to that for Jacob because Jacob had been wrestling for more than one night. Jacob had been wrestling his whole life since birth with that name Jacob Jacob's whole story his entire story which we don't have time it would take a long time to read Genesis 25 to 36 if you're interested on your Sunday afternoon the whole story of Jacob is one of wrestling right his name from birth literally means deceiver or supplanter heel grabber grasper right Ever since he was birthed, even before birth, it says in genesis twenty five he is wrestling in his womb with his brother, his twin brother, Esau, fighting maybe for who would get out first, right? Ever since he's been born, he's been a hustler, he's been a swindler, he's been a manipulator of the truth, he's been angling for his own betterment, all at the expense of whoever is in his way, right? Let me give you a snapshot. we'll just We'll do a high flyover. Of Jacob's life. He takes advantage of his brother Esau, right? The firstborn of Isaac. He takes advantage in chapter 25 of his brother Esau, the firstborn, in a moment of vulnerability. Esau has come in from, I think it was hunting, and he's like on the brink of starvation. And he manipulates him in that moment to sell his birthright as the firstborn for a bowl of soup. Now, I don't know what that says about Esau. <laughs> But I mean this is like dumb and dumber moment, you know, where Lloyd sells the blind, like the bird to the blind kid, right? I mean, it's that cruel what Esau had done to him by Jacob. And then later in Genesis twenty seven, under the direction and encouragement of his mother Rebecca, right? Jacob and Rebecca hatch this plan. So this is the I learned it from you, Mom, moment to take advantage of his blind father, nearly blind father, Isaac, and he impersonates Esau to get the blessing that belonged to Esau from Isaac. Esau's blessing that he was deserved by his birthright, he actually impersonates him. It's a crazy story. Puts on this hairy suit and everything like that. Esau was a hairy guy. You need to go read it. It's a lot to talk about. He steals basically the entirety of the estate from Esau. He gets power of attorney, right? And when Esau discovers what has happened, right, he pleads with his father. It's one of the saddest stories in scripture. Pleads with his father, please, please, please either reverse this or do you have any extra blessing for me? Please tell me you've got a little left. And his father basically looks at him and says, no, I'm sorry. Your brother tricked you and he tricked me uh, and he got everything. There's nothing to do. So Esau, understandably, is enraged and he takes vows after Isaac's dead. I'm going to kill Jacob, right? That's why Jacob is so afraid here when 400 men come rolling. I'm going to kill Jacob. So mom, Rebecca, right, she decides, well, let's cook up another plan here. I'm going to send you to old Uncle Laban's house, right? You need to get out of here because Esau is after your life and he goes to live with his uncle Laban and actually at that point, Jacob starts getting a taste of his own medicine because uncle Laban deceives Jacob out of 14 years of his life. Jacob basically says, I wanna marry your daughter, Rachel, and he says, that's great, and he tricks him and he ends up marrying his daughter, Leah instead. Don't ask me how this happens, right? There's a lot in here. He's deceived out of 14 years of his life and then if you study the stories of the children that come from these two women, Leah and Rachel, and the turmoil of their relationship, you think your family's screwed up? I mean, stories, uh, TV shows like Bloodline and Yellowstone, where do you think they get their inspiration for that stuff? Like this is a tale as old as time, broken families, right? Nothing new under the sun, like Ecclesiastes say it's. Jacob's name was Deceiver, and his entire life had been living up to and living into that name. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get the life that I want. And he did. Even if it was wrong, I don't care. I'm going to get get what I want. And here, in this moment, what we just read, it finally catches up to him. His back's utterly against the wall. His brother is coming with 400 men, which you should go read the rest of the story because Esau doesn't handle it the way you think he would. His brother's coming with 400 men and he believes this is it. I'm up, I'm, I'm had, it's up. And he's dividing up his family into two camps, right? Like, okay, maybe if this group gets killed, then this group can live. So maybe at least somebody can get out of this, right? And he's throwing up Hail Mary prayers, right? God of my father, Abram. God of my father, Isaac. Not my God. He's he's name dropping, hoping that grandpa and dad's weight with the Lord. Their relationship with the Lord is gonna have enough weight to kind of sway the current situation, right? And he realizes in this moment, it says there, Jacob was left alone. He's all alone. With the one that he had spent his entire life circumventing, ignoring, avoiding, playing religious with. And God, in this encounter, instead of allowing the full weight of his sin and of his deception, of his manipulation, of his selfishness to destroy him, instead of letting him get what he deserved. He wins the battle with a poke of his finger. Significant, right? I don't know if you've ever wrestled with your kids and they think that you're actually letting them win, right? Like, if someone wins an all-night battle with a poke of a finger, they probably weren't wrestling with you in the first place, right? With a poke of his finger, he does this He wrenches his hip and then he asks him his name and then he gives him a new name. What is your name? Jacob, he answered. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. He gives him a new name, Israel. Why? We should ask that. Why is that significant? Of all the things God could have done in that moment, right, because he's saying, bless me, bless me, bless me, please bless me. Don't, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he says, I've got to give you a new name. Why is that significant? Well, when are we given our names, right? We're given them by our, our fathers and our mothers at birth, right, Like. You guys gotta lean into this because this, this, is, this is so profound what he does here. He's saying to Jacob, this represents the depth of change that I'm working in your life. I'm not just trying to go back to that you know, birthright moment where you, 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 know, you, you stole some stuff from Esau, his birthright. I'm not just trying to go back to this place where you deceived Isaac. We gotta go all the way back to the beginning that name that has defined you, that name that you've been living out of, it needs replaced. And that's what I've come to do. That's what I'm wrestling with you about. Because left to yourself, you, you can't get the blessing that you need or that you desire and that you don't deserve. You can't get that without me giving it to you. What the Lord's saying here is is that Jacob, he didn't just need a circumstantial, momentary rescue. Get me out of this bind. Jacob understood that at this moment. It's not get me out of this bind. He's saying, I need an entirely new identity. That's what I've come to give you. Not get me out of this bind, get me out of me. Because Jacob was somebody who couldn't get out of his own way, right, right? He needed a new name. He needed to be moved from this deceiver and he was being moved into this new receiver, right? From deceiver to receiver, I have a new name. Moving me from man who wrestles with men, right, from my identity to man who wrestles with God because that's what Israel actually means. His new name was this, God prevails. That's what Israel means. God strives. It's basically saying this, I'm wrestling for you in ways that you can't wrestle for yourself. I'm wrestling with and for you in ways that you can't wrestle for yourself and I've come to rescue you from the name, the nature, your sin. I've come to rescue you from the name that you couldn't change to give you a name that you could never earn. That's what I'm here to do. I win. I prevail over your past over your sin, over the sin that's been done to you, over what sin's done to you. Like one of my mentors always says, my Jesus knows what sin has done to me. Not just what sins I've done, what sin has done to me, how deep it's broken me. When he gives him a new name, what he's saying is, is, my grace wins, my mercy wins, my love wins over it all. So why does that matter for us? That's great. That's Jacob's story, right? Is it just Jacob's story? Or is it possible it's your story? It's my story. Like, what name or names do you live your life out of? You guys have the the picture of me in high school? Is it coming? There I am, ferocious, ferocious right, so I was a wrestler as well, me and Jacob, no, you see that kid right there, he's, he's acting really tough for that picture, uh, but he was profoundly insecure, constantly afraid, starving for affirmation, attention, affection, I wrestled, I didn't even like wrestling, I got into wrestling, I, I eventually liked wrestling, but I got into it because somebody basically said, we need you to do this, and I wanted to be liked by that person, right? We all live out of, you all live out of some name. What name? Because I, I, I believe this. We're all trying to make a name for ourselves, especially in a city like Nashville. What if the name that you're seeking is one that only he can give you? What if the identity and the security and the value that you most deeply need and desire can't come from something you accomplish, it can't come from your success or your kids' success, from your resume, from your accomplishments, from how mid-century your house looks. It can't come from where you fit into the family system, how many flocks or herds you have, right? But the name that you seek is one that only he can give you. Where, where are you, where am I, living out of the name that we get from our past sins, from our shame? from our failures because they name us don't they you walk around with those names those names drive you a lot of people are spending their entire life trying to do enough to change their name at least get enough on the on this side of the scale to outweigh all the other stuff right so what's your name not pretty enough Not successful, accomplished enough. I'm just throwing some of the ones out that I use. Not skinny enough. Not enough followers. Not enough influence. Not enough accomplishment. Not in the right circle of people. Abandoned, insufficient, unlovable, unworthy. That's a good if you've got a case of the knots, that's what I call it. If, if, if your name comes from not something, that's, that's a good litmus test for you to know that you're actually still just wrestling with men. You're still just wrestling with your brothers and sisters. But have you wrestled with God about that name that you're looking for? That identity that you're looking for? because most are just wrestling with one another. We're just wrestling with one another. And 2 Corinthians 10 says that comparing ourselves and measuring ourselves against ourselves is a foolish errand, right? So would you wrestle with God? Or maybe maybe would you dare to believe this in all of that notness, not whatever, he's wrestling with you. He's wrestling with you. And he's wrestling for you. In the places that you're afraid, in the places that you're trying to control, in the places that you feel anxious or insufficient, would you dare to believe that what's going on is is he's saying, come on, I'm trying to get you alone to wrestle with me about that stuff. Stop wrestling with everybody else. And when you wrestle with them, guess what? it's always going to be humbling, okay, right, like he will, he will make you limp, probably, I don't know anybody who's wrestled with God who doesn't, Uh, it's actually a good sign if you got a little bit of a limp to your life, if there's weakness in your life, because it's actually a sign that you've actually let the Lord wrestle with you, and you've wrestled with him, right, But he humbles us, why? Because he loves us enough to say, I'm gonna teach you about that insufficient identity that you're living out of, that old name, right? That name that you've been given by your family system, that name that you earned by your own sin and mistakes, or that name that you've taken on by sin that's been done to you. I'm trying to invite you to pick up the name that I can only give you and I have given you. Because if you're in Christ this morning, you already have a new name. Do you know that? You've already got it. Let me just give you some of the words that are attached to that new name Beloved, holy, righteous, chosen, dearly loved, God's treasured possession. Those are just a few. Do you know those names? Do you live out of those names? Or do you live out of the other ones, the other list? Because God, he's he's wrestling with you in the pain of all of this, right? To say, I've come here to rescue you from those old names and that old identity so that you can walk in the blessing that I've given you in Christ. When I was in Ireland, I used to, this room reminds me of being in Ireland. I should have preached this entire sermon in an Irish accent. There was a guy, he, I believe he was homeless. His name was Richard. And he would hang out at the place that we would stay called the Murloc House. And I mean, he was, he was a kind of a kooky dude. And he would ask you your name about every four minutes and it I mean it's, it was kind of comical at first but he, he would walk up to you and I'm talking like if he were here today in this church he will ask he would ask every single person multiple times what their name is um, but he would always walk up to me and say this, he'd be like he's like David he's like it's Richard what's your name well he wouldn't say David he'd say what's your name I was like, hey, Richard, I'm, it's David. I just introduced myself to you three minutes ago, right? And what would he say is he's like, oh, David. He's like, do you know what your name means? And I would say, yes, Richard, you told me three <laughs> minutes ago. He's like, it means beloved, so he'd still tell me, right? Like, literally, four minutes would pass. He'd come back around. What's your name? I'm like, seriously? Uh, it's, it's David. Oh, David. Do you know what your name means, David? Yes, I do, because we've done this 10 times now. It means beloved. Was Richard the one that was prone to forget or was I? Like we joked about Richard. Maybe maybe Richard was a genius. Maybe it wasn't that he had forgotten my name or what it meant, but he knew if he didn't keep asking me and keep reminding me and hearing me say it to myself, he knew I'd forget. Maybe that's us. And maybe that's what God's wrestling with you about. And he's saying, I'm, I'm gonna wrestle with you because I, I, I don't care how many times I gotta remind you who you are, I'm gonna remind you who you are. You're beloved. You're holy, you're righteous, you're chosen. You're dearly loved, you're my treasured possession. I win. God strives, God prevails. That's the name that you and I have. And that's why he said later to Moses and to Aaron, the Lord bless you and keep you. This is how you're to bless the Israelites. Bless the people in the line of Jacob, bless us. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord has turned his face towards you and what, not destroyed you. I've seen him face to face and lived, but to give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. You've got a new name. He's wrestling with you to live out of it. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that even though we would run, manipulate do everything we can uh, in our own power, Lord. So much of my life is spent trying to earn, improve to everyone around me. I've got a name that you've uh, you've already given me, um, Lord. We spend so much of our time wrestling with one another and not wrestling with you, knowing that when we do, Lord, uh, you you may wound us, uh, you may you may wrench our hip. Uh, but you're doing that to heal us and to invite us into walking in the identity that we can only get from you. So I pray for my friends now, and I, I pray as I drive to Creep Hall this morning uh, that we would wrestle with this. That we would not just go out of here and be like, hmm, interesting. But we would, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the Lord, by your Spirit, would you chase us down? Would you get us all alone? And Lord, would you would you do business with our hearts? Um Lord, because I know when you do, uh you do that to set us free. We love you. In your name. Amen.